All right, you're in charge and you have your mentor. Chris McGowan's going to call you in five minutes. He goes, go get it done. So Chris McGowan calls and he's like, hey, you're vice president and and I'm coming down there and I'm going to I'm going to walk you through this. And I said, vice president of what? In the 90th minute, in front of no less than 19,000 raving Los Angeles fans, and I know you'll keep me honest, on the actual 25, number, 25,000, that was the 25, final? 25,000, yeah. Okay. On a, on a fairly beautiful, sunny day, I would say, uh, the day got instantaneously more beautiful and sunny around the 90th minute. Would you agree with that? Yeah, no question. No question. I, and, and I had the luxury of sitting next to or sitting one row below uh, my guest today when Javier Hernandez Chicharito scores the lone goal of a one nothing win opening day against the MLS champions NYCFC. Uh, should put you in a pretty good mood today. Would you how are we feeling today? I feel great today. Um, you know, you go through all these emotions in a game of you start to rationalize in your mind that zero zero is not the worst result. Uh, against the defending champions opening day. And then uh, Javier pulls off a play and uh, your day becomes instantly better. So you walk into work the next morning feeling better about yourself, but trying to turn the page and figuring out how we can capitalize on a moment like that. So we're, we're joined by the president of the LA Galaxy, Chris Klein. Uh, curious, scale of one to 10, what would you rank the performance yesterday? The performance... I'd rank our performance as a seven. Um, I think getting three points. And when I say performance, I'll put everything together in terms of having a sold out crowd. You know, we're, we're kind of that post COVID uh, looking at our business. So having a sold out crowd opening day on an afternoon, um, you know, having our biggest star score the game game winner uh, against the defending champions. So I give it a seven just because it was the, the, you know, the first game of a 34 game season, you know, you read everything when you win, you want to read everything, right. When you lose, you want to, you want to turn off social media and not, not, uh, not look at it, but you know, just that moment, you know, we've had a couple moments, um, you know, that you can remember whether it's, you know, Slaton's goal, uh, against LAFC where, where our stadium just came unglued. And for some reason, people are comparing it to that which I don't know that I would compare it that way, but the energy and uh, the emotion of starting, starting the year, the emotion that Javier shows uh, in a really raw way, um, you know, people are comparing it to that. So uh, it, it sounded loud. And I know for, uh, you know, for us and for, for the fans and for our people, uh, it was a, it was a great moment. You know, I'm, I'm an observationalist if I'm anything. And so I, I did have the luxury of sitting with you in a number of the front office and you see the play unfold. And, and by the way, Raheem Edwards kind of made this play, right? I mean, yeah, it really did. <laughs> did he not? I mean, like that ball should have been out of there. He, he makes yeah. it play deep in the zone before setting up Javier, but the place goes bonkers. And then I turn and the front office is going bonkers. And yeah. <laughs> it felt like it felt bigger than just, like you said, three points. It felt like, yeah. all right, there's something to build momentum off of. Is that mm -hmm. how you see it? It is. I mean, we we're part, I mean, everyone wants to talk about soccer and how it's 
different than other sports, but, you know, you have these, these, these moments that, that we're able to experience. And, you know, a lot of it dates back to last year and the last time we were in that stadium, it was, it was heartbreak and, um, you know, not you recount it. I mean, we were literally in the playoffs for 33 games and 90 minutes. And then a, a, a moment happened, not even in our stadium that, that put us out. And so I think it was all of those things combined uh, in coming back with a different uh, set of expectations that, that made the moment, um, I guess, bigger. I'm assuming you spoke to coach. Oh yeah. So how's Vanny feeling? What, what do you think he would give it on a zero to 10? Like where would He'd he rank probably it? Give it lower than I would. He's, he's more, more measured, uh, I, I think, and maybe less emotional. He'd probably give it a six because, you know, he's looking at the performance and things that we can change. And uh, everyone has that long view and, and even sitting in, listening to our players after the game huddle up. And, you know, the biggest thing that, that they talked about wasn't really even Javier. It was that we, we got a clean sheet and we didn't, didn't give up a goal way. Everyone questions are defending and, um, and things like that. So, I mean, it was, yeah, I think probably a six. <laughs> yeah, I could see him giving it a six. Yeah. I, I, yeah. You know, I, again, I'll, I'll let the audience in on a you conversation you and I had just before kickoff. And mm-hmm. yeah, I was asking you like, all right, new season, how are you feeling about today? And all of your sort of commentary code, was let's not forget we're playing the team that just won the championship. And yeah. I don't, you didn't say it like that. You know, you were very delicate, but that was my takeaway that this will be a good test for the galaxy. And look, I was there and let's, you don't have to go back and watch the record of, of the game. You guys, I, I mean, I think you took it too. I'm like, you had multiple opportunities to score. You certainly look like the better team on this day. This is just and again, I'm not a soccer coach. I'm not going to pretend to be one, yeah. but it sure. It, did you feel that way too? Yeah, it's, it's feels different because yes, we were, we were the better team on the day, but to, to give all of it context, it's just kind of what we've been through for the last couple of years. And I'm not talking about COVID. Um, it wasn't that is, you know, we've had, you know, coaching changes and some changes and finding some stability with a coach like Greg Vanny and the group that he's brought in and having the optimism of even his first year, forget that we didn't make the playoffs, but having some of that optimism and feeling of building throughout the club, not just talking about first team uh, results um, to be able to see it uh, unfold. And again, one game of 34, but to be able to see it, unfold was was encouraging and another sort of checkpoint of where we are you know this is not a this is not the the soccer podcast this is the courageous podcast right so i want to get into some some uh some tougher questions for you just what you wanted yeah i know for that but but just one more one more soccer um, just with my own eyes. So Douglas Costa, like what this guy's on loan. He's been with the team for three weeks. So mm-hmm. like, does he even know like how to get around LA yet? But give me a little bit, like he seems like a serious difference maker and man, is he fast? He is. I mean, he's a difference maker. Douglas Costa came to us. He's on loan from Juventus. So it'll be a permanent deal in the summer. Um, but yeah, I mean, he's a difference maker in a league where that's built on parity. Um, what we've seen over recent history is that the team that has different make difference makers can, can win it all. 
Uh, we saw it with us, with Landon and David and Robbie Keane. Um, you know, you've seen it with some, you know, when Seattle's won, when Toronto's won, and some of these others, uh, when Atlanta's won. And so to be able to get a player of his caliber um, that can make a difference in a game is something we're excited about. But again, it's another one of these moves that nothing comes without questions. And, you know, is he too old? Is he too often injured? Is he too this? Is he too that? Is he too emotional? Does he not have enough emotion? You know, building off of that, but, you know, having a player like him that surely can make that difference is something that um, that gets us excited and it, it gets our fans excited as well. So if anybody knows what it's like to sort of be him, I mean, mm-hmm. you know, you played in front of these fans. I mean, you I think 90 times you you were running rampant down the, the wing in an LA Galaxy jersey. Like in your mind, what's changed since you were on the pitch running around versus MLS today? Our our league has sort of gone and, you know, everyone, MLS 1.0 was we launched a league and, you know, we wanted American sports fans to like it. We want Ryan Berman to like it. Um, oh, I do. I like it. I know I'm you in. do now, but. Um, you know, so we, we did everything to try and try and make the American sports fan love soccer, um, out of the 94 world cup. And then it was like, you know, what we really need to do is we all, we all need to build our own stadiums. And so everyone built their own stadiums, whether it was in the suburbs or whether it was downtown. And then we had this level of expansion that came in and you know, had your Seattle's and Atlanta's and Portland and all these clubs came in that the league really exploded. And now we're in this moment of teams are spending money and we're seeing a lot more foreign influence come. We're seeing players being sold overseas that are American players. And so the biggest difference that you have now with our league is that you just have more quality. Um, you know, when I was playing, we, we had quality and I was sort of aging out when this new generation was was starting. So. Uh, we had some very good players that could still play in the league today, but there's more of them, uh, more quality, more money, more attention, more eyeballs um, that are that are looking at our league and looking at our sport. I mean, you've had a solid run. I mean, and by the way, like you're no like you're a pretty solid player. I mean, you played <laughs> national team. It's not like you were, you know, riding the pine. I mean, you played and <laughs> but. Early on, you kind of knew that there had to be life after playing for you. Like, walk me through. Yeah, I mean, my first contract was $30,000. So you have to think of what if this ends tomorrow? You know, you don't have something to fall back on. I mean, how fearful was that for you? Like, were you afraid? Like, oh, oh no, I'm not going to be able to make a living playing soccer? Or like, was it a dual strategy? I wasn't fearful. I think... Um, you know, I wasn't fearful, but I always had the understanding of, you know, this may not last forever. Um, and if it doesn't last forever, I got to figure something else out to do. And so very early on when I was playing, I was figuring out what those things were to do. And I, I got involved in starting our players union, um, you know, back in, this was in the early 2000s and helped negotiate our first collective bargaining agreement. Actually, I got licensed to be a financial advisor. I took my series seven and series 66 just because I wanted to learn and I had time. I mean, you're home at one o'clock and you're like, you know, I had a young family and figuring out things to do, but I was always just 
just wanted to, to learn and gather knowledge and uh, never would have, would have thought that I'd be sitting in this chair or that I would end up working in sports. I thought I, I didn't want to coach. Um, I knew that. And a lot of, a lot of athletes, they figure I'll play and then I'll coach. Uh, I knew I didn't want to coach. So I had to look for different avenues to get involved in the sport. Well, I was like, nope, that's out for me. What part? <laughs> Coaching. A little bit about what you said is that you, when you're playing, you're constantly on that edge. Um, you're constantly living up to it. And, you know, one performance, it's like, well, if I don't start the next game and then, you know, this young kid takes my place, I'm going to have a job next year. Very similar coaching. Um is that, you know, you're living in that moment and you're constantly, you know, whether it's moving your family around or being in different, not that there's not, there's pressure in every role, um, but it was that different type of um, approach that I, I just knew I didn't want to be a part of. And, you know, and I think part of it is I have respect for, for people that do it. Um, you know, you watch someone like Greg Vanny every day. I work with Bruce arena for a long time. You watch how they do it every single day and you have respect for the role. And some people are great at it and some people are good at other things. So nearing the end of your career, you got you, I'm going to say graduated boy, you retire in you retire in 2010. Yeah. So is Bruce, Bruce was the coach at that point, right? Bruce was a coach. It was interesting. So at the beginning of 2010, we were negotiating a collective bargaining agreement. Um, and I was on the executive board of the players union. So we're sitting across from owners and, um, you know, being involved in that negotiation with the league and everything. And we negotiated the, the, the agreement, which was, I think it was in March because it may have pushed our season back a week or so. And, you know, I came back to LA, I was with the galaxy, came back to LA and got a call from, it was Tim Lywicki was the CEO of AEG at the time, um, called me and said, Hey, you know, I'd love to have breakfast with you. And I said, Oh, I don't wonder where this is going to go. This you know, be good. Sort of, a uh, he's, he's, uh, he's a visionary, but he's just like aggressive. He comes up with ideas. And so we have lunch, um, breakfast, lunch. And he says, Hey, first question. He just got right to it. We haven't even ordered yet. He said, Hey, when are you going to retire? <laughs> I was 34 at the time. Um, I've, I don't know. And he said, well, I think it should be at the end of the year. And I said, okay, <laughs> why? I'll take the check. Check. Yeah, please. exactly. <laughs> so why? And he said, you know, because I, I think you're going to be the president of a team and I want it to be mine. And he said, and I want to, I don't think you should waste time uh, getting started. You got a lot to learn and you got to get involved. And so, you know, I walked away from the meeting. He said, you need to, you need to think about it um, because you should take the year and then you should retire. Uh, so I thought about it and came quickly back to him. I said, let's do this. Um, so I decided then to retire. Uh, it was the beginning of 2010, just that that would be my, my last season and, um, not knowing exactly what the role would be as I moved into the front office. But, uh, yeah, he stayed true to his word, um, in that. Isn't that amazing when people come into your life who believe in you and like, they see something in you that how could you possibly see it? I mean, yeah. To, to be clear, although your blinders are on, right, mm -hmm. he's he's critiquing you as you're sort of doing what you do on behalf of the players, right? He's yeah. it's very, very aware. Yeah. But I love that. I, I think the world needs more of that. We need more 
uh, positive people that are finding people to believe in and yeah. set the path forward. So yeah. you go basically from – so 2011, you're now in the front office. So in and November of 2010, I was named the senior director of our academy. And it was kind of relaunching our academy and things that we're doing uh, um, there. Um, and so, yeah, right at the beginning, all of, uh, you know, kind of that 2011 – um, season. And then, you know, very quickly after that, it was less than nine months. Um, Tim fired our then president, um, and called me and said, you know, I was in his office that earlier that day. And, you know, he was like, you, you don't know how to sell tickets. You don't know how to market. You don't know how to, do-. he's saying all this stuff to me, which is the opposite of what, you know, he said to me a year ago, you don't know how to do all this stuff. And I said to him, Tim, I know how to lead people and I know how to get the most out of people. And I know what I don't know. And I'm going to learn. Um, and he sort of get, yeah, you can get out of my, you know, so I went back to the facility to, to work and uh, I get a phone call and it was Tim. And he said, Hey, Chris McGowan, Chris McGowan is the, he's now the CEO of um, uh, group up in Detroit, Illich sports. Um, and he, he worked for AEG for a long time. He said, uh, all right, you're in charge and you have your mentor. Chris McGowan's going to call you in five minutes. He goes, go get it done. So Chris McGowan calls and he's like, Hey, you're vice president. And, and I'm coming down there and I'm going to, I'm going to walk you through this. And I said, I'm vice president of what? <laughs> he was <laughs> vice president of nothing. <laughs> so I was named vice president of nothing, not of marketing, not of sales, not of soccer. It was just vice president. Uh, and I literally, I, I stood on his shoulder for nine months until he left to be the CEO of the Portland Trailblazers. And I just, I just soaked up everything that I could from him. Um, and then, and, you know, nine months later, I was named president of the club. At, at 37. I was 30. No, I was 34 when I was 35, 36 years old. Wow. What was like the, what was the one, I mean, I'm sure there's so much like you said, but if you had to distill it down to just one essential learning over that period of time, what was it? The biggest thing for me was sitting in a meeting and hearing all this information come about tickets and ticket operations. And I can remember thinking, I have no idea what they're talking about. Um, and I, I knew very early on, I mean, I don't know. I knew very early on that I had to surround myself with, with really good people. And, you know, they, uh, Luke Robitaille, he's the president of the LA Kings, um, amazing hall of fame hockey player. And, uh, he, he, they did the same thing with him with the Kings. Um, and he was so gracious just with time, um, time and, encouragement. And like you said earlier, you really need belief in people and then you need to extend that to other people. And I, I found so many people that were above me and that worked for me, um, that really leaned into what I was doing, what I was saying. Um, you know, Bruce arena, another one, um, you know, that, that, that took me under their wing and, and allowed me the time to learn. Which is harder for you. I mean, I guess you can't say that you're ever really in control, even even as a player, right? Like yeah. you're in more, I guess you're in control a little bit because you can execute 
your strategy, but when you're playing, your, yeah, when you're playing, yeah. like, yeah. which is which is harder for you? Was it harder to be down there and in the fire, or literally, you know, like I go back to yesterday. There's moments I'm watching you, and like you want to jump out of your suit yeah. that you're in because <laughs> you can only control it so much from there. You can put the pieces mm-hmm. in place, coach, team, right? Let people do what they do. Yeah. Which which did you do you have a harder time with? Different challenges, like I said, just this challenge and the pressure of performance uh, when you're a player. But you're right. You can you can control at least to some extent you can control that result Um, sitting in my seat. You can't control it. You can't control uh, any of it. And so that that weight that that you carry is more maybe because I'm in it now, maybe because I'm older, uh, more mature, I guess. it, I would say maybe tougher now, but I mean, if you go back or talk to some of our players, uh, you know, they, they may have, they might have a different answer. Uh, but certainly working with all the people and not having control. I mean, what am I going to do up in the suite? I mean, that's the reality. Say I'm up there and I want to come out of my suit, but I have no impact on, uh, the result of the game. Uh, Well, that's gotta be slightly front. Like how do you just sort of be at peace with that? You're not. Uh, <laughs> I mean, we, we, we do it, it. We talk a lot about um, how can we all contribute to the result in the field. Um, and if I'm preaching that, I have to believe that myself and take yesterday as an example. And uh, I mean, our, our group worked their butts off to, to fill the stadium. Uh, that had an impact in the game. I mean, Javier did an interview after the game on ESPN that said, you know, the emotion from the fans, you know, really fed him and he could, he could feel it. That that's our impact. It all happens, you know, away from the cameras and, um, not in the, not where the public can see, but, but we can, we do everything we can to, to influence the result, to lead, um, to encourage Greg, to support. Um, and we, we do all that so that we can be a successful club. Um, I love that he said it was a galaxy win. It was a yeah. full total galaxy win. Yeah. And that says a lot about who he is. And I guess I have, this is for the, the, the galaxy fans that are listening. Um, does he prov- like, does he like Chikorito? Like you obviously call him, do you call him Javier? I'm assuming. I do. call him Javier. Yeah. Does he like Chicharito? Yeah. I mean, it puts it on the back of his shirt. It's a, um, getting to know him all, we all have personalities and we all have, you know, personal experiences that we go through and, uh, everything Javier went through his first year here was not good. Um, he was going through a lot and he, he's an emotional person. Um, and then the second year, just to see this complete change, he came in my office. Um, I know you asked if he liked his name, but I'll get there. He came in my office at the end of 2020 and he, he wanted to meet with me and he just sat in my office for an hour and he cried and he pledged his, um, just himself to the club. He was thankful. We stood by him and it was literally from that day. Um, he has been incredible. I mean, the way that he has given to the club, the way that he gives to the fans, his performance on the field, anything we ask him to do, he's there. Uh, you know, it's, it's, it's a really amazing thing just to see a change in a person um, and for someone to take responsibility and ownership um, and then to change it. And so 
that emotion, you know, back to back to his name. I mean, he got the name from his father who also played, which was his name was Chichiro, which was P because he had green eyes. And then, you know, this sort of legacy with his son and Chicharito and having it be little P, uh, you know, with his uh, color of his eyes. And so, yes, that emotion, that connection to um, his father, his grandfather that died a couple of years ago, um, having that connection is important to him. But I don't know if he likes it or not, but he certainly goes with it. You know, I, I'm we're kind of back to belief. Right. And, mm-hmm. and, and the trust that he probably feels that you guys stood with him. Not, not beside him, but like genuinely with him, and yeah. he's de- he's delivered, no doubt. I think he, I think he just had his twentieth goal in a Galaxy jersey, so yeah. he's one for one on this, on this year. Yeah. Bravo! Yeah. But you know, you 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 graciously, you know, you believe in in what I'm doing too. I I I wanted to let you know I appreciate that, and I and I acknowledge that, and super grateful for the opportunity, uh, and understood the magnitude when you brought. The front office, soccer ops, and the players together, right? It was one team that you allowed me to address a few weeks back on my message. And that that did not kind of go lightly on me. And, you know, I've got a uh, – you know, I've got sort of a standard keynote that I – that I have. And that, this was not the place for that. I mean, it was, I had to kind of really work hard to make sure that I wasn't going to be an eye roll to the players. And mm-hmm. I remember at one point making eye contact with Javier and sort of feeling like he was picking up what I was putting down. I felt like it wasn't an eye roll for him, but I don't know. You, you tell me like, you know, the message just so everyone, I was talking about how do you, how do you live on the left side of the hyphen? And when you're a sports club, you know, and your, your record matters, you got to be on the left side of the hyphen. Um, you, you feel like it went to like, do we accomplish what you were hoping we would accomplish? Yeah. So, uh, and maybe this was the biggest win for me yesterday is, you know, we, we spend all this time and I've won games and lost games and we've won championships and, but to get a message through to a group of people and then to have that belief in something, um, is, is a big thing to overcome. And so, you know, the, in talks with you and trying to get our front office staff to buy into what Greg and the group and the players are talking about. Um, and then to get Greg and the players um, to buy into everything that we're talking about, you know, with our front office, that was the message. And it was, it was, you know, one galaxy and, you know, one team. And then just to see this overcoming of emotion with Javier, he just scored a goal in the 90th minute for a full, full stadium, you know, people came completely unglued and there he went right, right in his interview, um, you know, talking about it's not about him. Um, he pointed to the, the atmosphere in the stadium. He pointed to the players on the bench, the backroom staff. That was the message. Um, and here was our biggest star um, who could have brought it back to himself. He was repeating what we had talked about, uh, you know, when we were talking. And and that to me is was maybe the biggest thing that made me excited about yesterday. Yeah, it was. All, I mean, I'm so grateful I could be there for it. Yeah. It was like yeah. it was. It was. And by the way, touche and, and major props. I don't know if it was a easy decision, but it throws a wrinkle. Everything that's happening over in Ukraine and mm-hmm. and to see you guys have a moment of silence for that. You, I don't think this is a check the box moment. And there's so much. 
that goes into putting on an event. So I'm glad that yeah. you guys did that. Well, uh, you know, I had our CMO, Doug, he came and he said, hey, we should do a moment of silence for Ukraine. And I said, okay, why? And not why, like not that there's not this major thing going on in the world, but, but, but why? Um, you know, and, and, you know, we talked about it, we thought about it and, you know, we came back and we said, because not only do we believe it's the right thing to do, but our new player, Douglas Costa, um, you know, he played there for seven years, got to start there. You know, he wanted to have a Ukrainian flag on the bench. Um, and he has a lot of people he cares about there. Um, that's a, that's a why, um, because one of our, one of our family, um, you know, w- w- was hurting for the people that were over there. So that, that was how we kind of walked through that decision to, to do something. And, you know, you're seeing even with a conflict, um, like this and an, a point in, in our world, just how sports can really speak into things like that. Is that chain? Not change, but it can. Sports can change. And we're, we have an obligation or responsibility or opportunity, whatever you want to call it, to, um, to speak into things like that. Um, and so we, we took our small part. Well, it was a class moment. And I don't, you weren't doing it for the moment. You're doing it for the right reasons, which was clear. Um, so I have a president question for you. You know, so the rest of your month looks like this. I think you go to Charlotte. Mm-hmm. And then you go to Seattle mm-hmm. and then you host Orlando who looked pretty good yesterday. Mm-hmm. And I, I had mentioned to you, I've got a good buddy named Jared Dillon, who's now the president over there. Uh, he comes to town. I want to connect you guys. Mm-hmm. Um, do you like, are there certain presidents that of other clubs that you have relationships that you talk to about, like, I don't like this term, but it's the term like best practices mm-hmm. or, um, do you, you know, or are you just like so deeply competitive that it's like, you're on that team and we're on this team and that's that. Yeah. I mean, one of my good friends is Larry Friedman, who's the president of LAFC and John Thornton, their co-presidents. Um, we were supposed to hate each other and we do. And we talk about it. I, we hate, we hate you guys and we do, but, but we still talk. Um, and I, you know, I come from way back in our league where we had 10 teams and it was 12 teams and it was 14 teams. And so we all had to, to lean on each other. And when new clubs come in or someone else gets a job, we, we lean on each other. It goes back to, you know, what I told you about before. Um, I just had so many people that were willing to, and I still have people today, um, that are willing to come alongside me and, um, you know, give me encouragement and give me advice and, you know, best pride, what I call it, whatever you want. So uh, our league is really great in that way and that um, they, they foster those relationships. And um, so, so we definitely have them, presidents, GMs, coaches, um, you know, I have people that, that I'm very close to. And, and by and large, I can't remember anyone uh, in a turning down a call to say, Hey, can you help me with this? Can you, you know, what did you guys do with this campaign? Whatever. Everyone sort of shares that information freely. And, uh, you know, it's a, it's a great, you know, fraternity sorority of, of people that, uh, that we all get to lean on. So when you come into the league, Chris, like you, I mean, again, as you're working your way up to be, to being president on the, on the front office side, you guys win, 
like in three of your first four years, I think, yeah. in the front office. Yeah. Are you like, oh, this is so easy. Is this is, <laughs> look at the easier. Yeah, We're going exactly. to put all these trophies. Yeah. Uh, you know, and it's been, it's, you know, it's been eight years now since you guys last won 14. And maybe that's some of it's kind of, well, with more teams, of course, it's going to make it harder and harder. But I imagine that, you know, you do feel the pressure like to, to win. And when you think about the galaxy, you know, remember that game, super password, if you said mm -hmm. galaxy, yeah. people would probably say win. And yeah. Do you feel that right now? Is that like a big no thing question. for you? Yeah. I mean, that's, that's it. It's, it's our history. It's being in LA um, expectations are there and, you know, we, we spend money uh, as a club. And so you have all those things and yeah, the expectation to perform and the win is there. Um, and I, I definitely feel that take that responsibility. It should be there. Um, they, you know, that should be a part of this. And so, uh, yeah, I mean, I carry that with me. I mean, again, are you hearing that though from the age? Like, are they like, hey, we need to win? Like, are you, do you hear that regularly or do you just know it? Regularly, yes. Um, I, you know, my boss is Dan Beckerman. His boss is Phil Anschutz. Um, and, you know, I tell everyone, you know, talk about leadership and you talk to leaders all the time. And, you know, there's some people that, that lead by, you know, big speeches and they're huge personalities and they, you know, they walk into a room and it instantly, you know, I have a boss that that supports and then encourages and that um, comes alongside and doesn't, you know, yeah, we need to win. But, he, you know, he doesn't look and say, hey, we need to win. And we, we have this understanding, you know, with each other. And that for me has been, uh, you know, just for me personally has been this, you know, you go through a tough time and uh, you see how people come around you. And, and Dan has been that for me. Uh, he's been through this business and in this business. And, you know, I'm continually amazed at how he leads uh, because he's always stayed Dan Beckerman, who was the, you know, he was the chief financial officer nerd that became CEO uh, of a, the largest entertainment company in the world. Um, and he stayed that. <laughs> and it's just, yeah, it's something cool to see. So the pressure comes from, yeah, there. Um, that's inherent. It comes from outside, which you can see and you can read. Uh, it comes from inside, um, just knowing uh, the expectations that I put on myself that others have as well. So it's sort of coming down the home stretch here. And I want to talk very quickly about World Cup. Mm. And, you know, your world, you know, sometimes when there's a problem, your world is as small <laughs> as yeah. the problem. The, the biggest problem that you've got, right? So mm -hmm. it could feel like, no, I got to focus on the galaxy, but I know you're co-chairing the LA World Cup committee as well for 2026. Mm -hmm. And, you know, you got to play through the rise of MLS. So, you know, when I think about like the Chris Klein story, yeah, I know you're in it now and you've got to win, but do you sort of, sort of, can you step back and look at like, wow, US soccer has come a long way? Mm. or Or do you look at it like, Oh man, we are so far behind or somewhere in between. Like, where do you think we are? We're not so far behind. I mean, if you think you talk about a world cup and we just have, we have these kind of two bookends to look at where the sport is in this country. We have the 94 world cup um, that was in this country that launched our league. Um, then here we are, you know, a little over 25 years later uh, preparing for the 2026 world cup. Um, and to see what our league's going to look like in the run up to there and then after. 
So I think we're ahead of where maybe I thought or others thought we would be Uh, still definitely not there yet in the, in kind of that global soccer landscape. But uh, I, I truly believe with everything that I have that we're going to get there and we're going to get there a lot faster than people uh, would have ever thought. And so, you know, the rocket fuel that a world cup in this country is going to be able to provide um, is, is going to mean a tremendous amount to soccer in this country. And it's, it's already night and day from what we were in 94 and 96 when the league has started. And, and, you know, in 10 years, it's going to be night and day. Then we're looking at it now. I mean, you kind of skip over the 22, right? And I'm not sure if you're doing that because 26 is here in the U.S. And it's just the, the, the bookends are easy on when it was in the U.S. But, you know, missing out on 18 and then, by the way, we're, the U.S. is going to make the World You think we're going to we're make, gonna the, make World the World Cup? Yeah. Okay. Please we tell me we're going to make the World Cup. <laughs> we're gonna, we have to make the World Cup. I have really big problems. I have a literal vested interest now. Yeah. With, uh, with uh, you know, for those who don't know, I think they most who listen do. But I've been working with Lana Donovan, who was your old teammate on his on uh, his memoir, which is going to go live just uh, a few months before the World Cup. So um, yeah, we need to make this World Cup. So yeah. you think they're going to? If you're Burhalter, by the way, do you even does the Mexico game even matter, or is all the energy on the Panama game here in the? Yeah, in the Mexico Mexico game matters. Uh, we want to win at, in Azteca, which has never happened. Um, you know, you talk about milestones, and so yeah, we want to win there, uh, and so it matters, and it can make the Panama game a lot less stressful. And so there's a lot of different influences and results that could change how we look at um, each of the games. But yes, we, we will qualify. Um, you know, you look towards 2022 and it's going to be a, a good test for a young group of players, but 2026 has to be, uh, you know, the focus of, of, of our country and how we prepare. And then, you know, what we kind of look like after that. So in the locker room right now, because, you know, when you say we, you mean the U.S., but your we is also lots of we's now. I mean, you've yeah. got, right, what does that locker room look like and how big is the World Cup for them? Is it just bragging rights? Is it pride? players? Yes. The Galaxy players? Yeah. I think it seems far off in the distance. Uh, you know, as a player, you're thinking of now. I mean, we won yesterday. You're thinking about Charlotte. Um, you really think that short term about it. Um, and so to look at 2026, that's someone else's problem. And I'll deal with that later um, as a player, you know, but if you're a young player, certainly thinking about playing in a world cup in your country uh, would be something that you would sort of put out there as a, as a goal, uh, but how it's going to affect all them, you know, other than maybe a few, I would, I would guess that they just don't have a grasp or haven't thought about it yet. Well, I hope you're right that the team makes it. I hope you, the Galaxy, continue to live on the left side of the hyphen. Um, you know, for those of you who made it this far, what you see is what you get with Chris, which is what I love about him. He's a genuine, he's genuinely a good dude uh, who, of course, wants to win. And uh, I look forward to to seeing what happens with the Galaxy this year. And I've got my my new jersey, thanks to you, right. that I'll be rocking. So, um, any last words that you want to share here? No, I just appreciate what, what you've been able to do with us and how you've been able to speak into um, our culture and, and our environment and um, to allow us to be courageous in, in how we're changing 
uh, a club and how we're looking at how we build this thing together. The way, the way that you've been able to speak uh, into all of us has is, is been uh, invaluable to us. So I really appreciate it. Thanks, man. Go get Charlotte. Good to see you. All right. Thanks, man. Take care. Bye. 